0: Shoes? Check. Water bottle? Check. Multiple downloaded episodes of your favorite science communication radio show and podcast? Check. Looks like you're ready to go on an ultramarathon, which is approximately 160 kilometers long in some cases. But before you begin your run, did you know that there is an actual risk of overtraining? Now we know that exercise is good for us, but is there a point in which it's not? My name is Luis Colorotolo and I am a PhD student at the University of Guelph trying my best to get a degree in food science. And when I'm not running ultramarathons, I would never do that I can like barely run a kilometer. I am running away from my problems by talking to other graduate students about what they do and why any of that is important. So today we are talking to Alex Coates who is a former triathlon athlete and a current student looking at what we call cardiac fatigue. And specifically the type of fatigue that comes from training a lot for high intensity workout sessions like extremely long marathons or Olympic events. So this begs to ask the question, how far is too far when it comes to exercising? Well, Alex can tell you a little bit about that.
1: I did my ultramarathon study and I basically found there's no difference between the different distances of races. So if you did 25k or if you did 160k, we still saw the same amount of fatigue in these athletes, which is weird.
0: Yeah, Alex, that is weird. Why would anyone ever want to run that far? Or potentially it's weird because we would assume that someone who ran further would have more cardiac fatigue. But Alex knows the answer to these things, so why don't we just listen up? But while you are listening or running or doing whatever you're doing, keep in mind that we are both graduate students. We don't know everything, and that's why you're listening to an episode of We Know Some Stuff. Hi Alex, how you doing today?
1: Good. Thanks for having me. Oh,
0: you are so welcome. Could you do us a favor before we get into the nitty gritty? Could you give us your educational history?
1: For sure. So I did my undergrad at the University of Victoria and it was in kinesiology and it took me seven years because I was actually training for triathlon. I was a elite triathlete at the time, so some of my semesters were one course only. Um, But yeah, it was a really great time. I miss Victoria very much. And then I came out to Guelph actually to train for triathlon. So the National Triathlon Centre moved out here. So I did a year just training. And then I had applied for my master's. I applied for some funding. I got the funding and then had to make the hard decision of whether or not I was going to start my master's or continue training. And I decided to try and do both, which went very badly Um, but my masters went okay my training just suffered you know i I basically ended up quitting triathlon in like june of that first year of my masters but the lab was great so i was in an exercise physiology lab under dr jamie burke and i did my two-year master's with him i was studying overtraining ironically (laughs) so overtraining in endurance athletes and then I continued on into my PhD with Dr. Jamie Burr in the same lab, and now I'm studying exercise-induced cardiac fatigue. So it's basically just all these versions of what happens when you train too much and you, you know, go for too long or you go too hard or just kind of like the not often talked about negative consequences of exercise.
0: All right, so I'm going to start with hard hitting questions. We're we're going to get to the core of it right now. Uh, when you're running, are you <laughs> running away from something or towards something?
1: Probably away, away from the like chaotic thoughts, right? So just to just kind of like zone everything out.
0: Okay. All right. So so uh, triathlon. That's that's a lot of athlons. Yes. That's at least three athlons. <laughs> um, all right. So we got we got running, swimming, and biking, yes. right? Yes. So before we, you know, get into what you study, what what of those three is your favorite?
1: Uh, so my favorite's running, but um, I find I'm always injured. So I would say the second favorite would be biking. And I really enjoy like bike racing, the kind of tactics involved in that. And I really enjoy mountain biking now. I hate swimming. So if we put it on a spectrum swimming, I hate so much, so
0: yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So we, we have your ranking of the triathlon. We know you study over-exercising, and we know that you you are a, a triathlon or yourself at one point. Are you still doing them?
1: No. No, I coach triathlon a bit,
0: though. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. So you study over over-exercising. Yes,
1: that is correct.
0: All right. You've said it before, and let, let's dig back into it. You said that you're looking at the negative effects of exercise, which a lot of people don't talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're right. I've never heard someone say, like, oh, you exercise too much. Yeah. Could you give us, like, a brief overview of the this concept?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not talked about much because I think it's hard to I guess put a limit on like what is too much exercise and we also know there's this linear relationship between like how much you exercise and how long you live so we know the fittest people live the longest so it's kind of hard to say like oh but this is too much when we know that more is better in this case kind of but my research has been on overreaching so overreaching is the early stages of overtraining syndrome I guess and it's just when you train too hard for, let's say, like two to three weeks. So, like, for athletes, that would be like a training camp. And you get to the point where you can't perform the way you typically could. So if you were doing a time trial or a race or something like that, you would underperform. And it's just from fatigue. There's, and there's different, like, mechanisms of that fatigue. But it's basically you're just you're tired. And then you take some recovery and you usually bounce back. And so my research is all just on the different facets of that fatigue. So now I've gotten more into this cardiac fatigue, which is looking at yeah whether or not your heart isn't beating as well when you're in that overtrained state. Yeah, and I mean, there's, there's also like some long-term consequences of, of overreaching or some proposed long-term consequences, but that's up for debate because some scientists will say, you know, no, you can't have too much exercise. And then others will say... Well, you can, like, here's some, some evidence of cardiac fibrosis and negative things, so. Oh,
0: well, it's just like scientists to argue about these things, isn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay, so I'm thinking of overreaching, overexercising. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing this doesn't apply to, like, most people.
1: Yeah, it it's, it's hard. Yeah, I always get this question when I'm talking about overtraining, of whether or not, like, let's say you have someone who starts a program in January because it's New Year's and they're trying to get fit and they go for like a week and then they stop because they're super sore and stuff. And they, and people ask like, is that overtraining? Is that overreaching? And I would say it's not really because that's kind of more just like, you did too much and you got sore <laughs> like you know like it's it's not quite the same thing with proper overreaching you have this nervous system suppression in a way so you you're not able to get your heart rate up as well as you would when you normally are training um you have less lactate production so all of these kind of physiological symptoms that would indicate that you're just not able to go as hard whereas in the case of like your new year's resolution person it's more just like They went hard, they got sore, that was enough for them, they're done. So yeah, I would say like your normal just exercising person doesn't overreach. But you do have like tons of people who have jobs, who have families, who have kids, who are also doing like the early morning training sessions, and they could definitely fall in the overreaching phase.
0: Okay, alright, so if we're thinking about this, it's kind of on the scale of not one specific day of exercise it's not like oh i went really hard today i've entered overreaching yeah this is more like uh like okay i wake up every morning 6 a.m yeah. three raw eggs for breakfast like that kind of like Urgh. yes
1: exactly like you kind of have to be training but i mean it doesn't have to be like you're training for something it can just be that you are you exercising very consistently and not really taking into account all the stressors in your life. And that fatigue just builds and builds and you just are like, no, I'm a 6 a.m. exerciser. This is what I do. And then, yeah, that's where things can happen.
0: Yikes. Yikes, yikes, yikes. I've never been a 6 a.m. person. Are, are you like an early morning? No,
1: I hate it. Like, I mean, that was part of my hatred of swimming is because swimming is always early in the morning and it'll be like winter and you have to jump in a freezing cold pool and yeah, it's the worst feeling on the planet. So All
0: right. So you you train for these triathlons which uh, <laughs> they're they're long, aren't they?
1: Yeah, the ones that I was doing were about 2 hours long. So not not like the 8 hour ones, but
0: but still a triathlon nonetheless. Like, you're, like, just two hours long. But honestly, like, <laughs> I think that that's underselling it
1: just a little bit. Yeah, they're hard. They're really hard. You're
0: talking about running long distances, swimming long distances, and biking long distances. <laughs> and specifically, you study really long distances. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. What is the range that you're studying?
1: Yeah, so I, I mean... <laughs> I'm studying kind of the whole range right now, but in one of my studies, I looked at ultra marathon, and we looked at 25 kilometer running all the way up to 160 kilometer running. Um, so 160 k is 30 hours of running in some cases. <sighs>
0: okay, like I'm having a moment processing that. What? Why? Why would anyone? Why would anyone do that?
1: Honestly, in in this particular race, it's called the Sulphur Springs race. It's here in, like, Burlington area, um, Dundas. They do laps of a course. So that's, like, to me, it's even more like why because it's not just, like, you're doing a mountain traverse or something. It's, like, they have to continue doing laps for 30 hours. I don't know why people do it. I think there's just this whole, like, longer is better mentality. It was really funny and fun to do this study because – like at the end of the 160k race, people were coming in, and they were like seeing things, and they were completely delusional. Like it was just this incredible display of, I guess, it's like human grit, but then also like why you shouldn't do these things because <laughs> they were just like like one guy was seeing cats. He was like, "There's oh. cats everywhere." And we were like, "Nope, <laughs> there's no cats." <laughs> Is this the
0: kind of run where, like, your toenails come off? Yeah. I've yeah, heard definitely.
1: that. I,
0: uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nothing, nothing you've said so far is selling me on this. <laughs> All right. So so you are looking at cardiac fatigue. Mm-hmm. All right. It's cardiac, heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your heart pumps a lot of blood. It, that's its job. And it does it pretty well. I, uh, if you're alive right now, your heart is pumping blood. Yes. Uh, but this can change when you're exercising. And we know this. Mm-hmm. We know that this is something we know. You go up a flight of stairs, um, and, you know, from working from home, we have not been getting outside a lot. <laughs> so you, you go back into the office. You have to go up three flights of stairs, and you're winded. Yeah. And there's a little bit of your heart being tired, but we wouldn't go as far as to say your heart is fatigued at that point, would we?
1: No. No, yeah. That's kind of a normal, healthy response to exercise, I would say, like a greater stimulus
0: And it would be probably bad if our heart didn't start beating faster, right?
1: Exactly. Yes. That
0: that would be concerning. I don't do you know like do you do you have any idea like why that would happen or does that just not happen?
1: It can happen, yeah. So actually with people with severe like overtraining syndrome and then other kind of chronic fatigue syndrome type, I don't know, pathologies, it can happen where your heart rate can't go up when you need it to. And so then what happens is you know if you ever do a sprint and you go like very anaerobic um and you have that feeling of like like a burning sensation and and you know you're super out of breath that will happen from something that shouldn't elicit that right because your body's trying to create energy out of no oxygen and then yeah that's not good and in, in generally in those cases people aren't exercising they're like on their beds
0: yeah that's yeah. that's not good. All right. All right. So two thumbs down to that. Yeah. All right. Okay. So so we're talking cardiac fatigue. Your heart is tired. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that hearts get tired often but we're not talking about the short term like okay that was a long day of exercise you're talking long term so how does one measure this or do you just say like oh yeah your heart rate is slower
1: yeah so no, we we actually image the heart using ultrasound um so we have a portable ultrasound machine and we do it's called echocardiography so we take different images and videos of the heart. And then I spend like three months analyzing those images and videos. And basically we're just looking at, like there's so many different parameters, but one would be stroke volume. So how much blood your heart is pumping out per beat. And so one kind of indication of cardiac fatigue could be with every beat, your heart's pumping out not as much blood. Um, So it's just tired, it's not squeezing quite as well. Or another one would be, it's taking longer to relax. So it's like, it's stiffer. It's not able to just kind of relax gently and nicely. It has to like work to relax. And so that would be another one of the measures that could tell us that your heart is tired. So it's just like, there's a whole list of them, but we're basically looking at the systolic or the like um, contraction part of the cycle and then the relaxation part and then looking out which ones of those might be affected. And in a lot of cases, it's all of them are affected by very prolonged or very intense exercise.
0: And I'm guessing only because I'm putting two and two together over here. These are not necessarily good things.
1: (laughs) It's funny. So like, yes and no. So I think just like if you were to, you know, if you think about you do a marathon, and then you can't walk the next day. Like, it's not really good. But it's, chances are it's not gonna cause lasting damage. Now with the heart, there's some evidence that it could cause some scarring or some fibrosis of the heart, which isn't good. It can lead to a higher incidence of fibrillation, like atrial fibrillation, which is why a lot of the time endurance athletes are predisposed to having more of this atrial fibrillation so that's not good but that being said it's very common to have this cardiac fatigue after really long or intense exercise so it is almost just like a normal part of of exercise in the same way that your legs get very very tired um so it's like can be bad most of the time it's not
0: all right. All right. So that's fair. And and for the most part, this is not something that's happening to the general listener. You know, we, I well, maybe, I don't know the demographics of who listens. Maybe everyone who listens is a professional endurance athlete. I don't know these days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you talk about pacing, which I think is an interesting thing. And I don't know, did you, did you have to do that pacer test in, in, in school? with the beeps. Yeah,
1: the beep test. The, yes.
0: The beep yeah. test. Um, that was terrible. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, 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 the concept of this test was that you had to run from one wall to the other wall at the sound of this beep. Mm-hmm. And it was the same distance every single time. However, the distance between the beeps would shorten as time went on. Mm-hmm. And this seems honestly pretty complicated. <laughs> From from like my understanding of it, right? Because one, you're measuring how people run from one side to the other. And it wasn't how to get there the fastest. It was just how many beeps did you last.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah.
0: You're you're inducing a lot of, well, I, I don't want to call it fatigue, but are you inducing fatigue in this test?
1: Yeah, maybe. So my most recent study that I'm doing right now is looking at this idea of intensity versus duration. So previous to this, my research right now, um, we would say that this cardiac fatigue only happens following very prolonged events. So the kind of, in one meta analysis, it showed that it takes 10 hours of exercise before you start seeing this cardiac fatigue. And then I did my ultramarathon study, and I basically found there's no difference between the different distances of races so if you did 25k or if you did 160k we still saw the same amount of fatigue in these athletes which is weird because 25k is a lot less time and we also found that because we had heart rate straps on these athletes so those athletes that were working harder so more of the 25k runners they actually had a bit more cardiac fatigue so this kind of made me think that it's might be more intensity than duration maybe we've just been kind of looking in the wrong spot like maybe it's it takes 10 hours because you're going really slow and that amount of time before you get tired but maybe you could induce cardiac fatigue from just really high intensity work now i don't really think you would see much after a beep test because Like, it's not so much that it's too short. It's just that it's not quite enough time spent in that really high-intensity zone. It's basically you'll have, like, a minute to two minutes where you're going really hard. And then then it's over. You don't make your next beep. So I don't really think you would see that. I think you would recover really quickly and it would be fine. But in my current study, I'm doing six 30-second all-out sprints against a pretty high load. So it's only, like three minutes of really hard work. So it's not a long time, but it's like maximal, maximal, maximal work, like super maximal work. And they get four minutes of rest in between each one. And I think, and I haven't analyzed the data yet, but I think that's going to drive more cardiac fatigue than the ultra stuff.
0: All right. So this is kind of a bizarre concept yeah. because it goes very against our traditional thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, you you say like these marathons that are over 100 kilometers (laughs) and then you got like a a race that's 25 kilometers Yeah. Uh, you would think ever i think just about everyone would probably assume that this over 100 kilometer mile run would induce more fatigue but it creates the same amount Mm -hmm. so okay then we 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 say okay intensity all right Mm -hmm. because if you're doing this 25 kilometer run it's a lot shorter, so you're probably running faster, or yeah. you're you're at least putting in more effort.
1: Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. Yes, yeah. so we had heart rate straps on the athletes in those races. We were looking at their heart rate relative to their own max heart rate. So we did do a max test in the lab before they did the race. So we did know, like, you know, what intensity they were working at for themselves, which was important. And we found that the twenty five k runners were obviously working way harder for themselves in that shorter period of time. And so, yeah, it's almost like this time under load or just like, yeah, I guess how long are you working close to your kind of limit, I guess. Whereas, you know, if you're doing 160K, you can't do that close to your limit. You have to go pretty slow, like quite slow actually. And so, yeah, it's just kind of that, yeah, intensity versus duration. And then I have the hypothesis that it's, Way more intensity driven than
0: okay. All right. So you you started out with this duration based test. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they were on like a track, as you said, just doing these loops, you were like probably sitting in some bleachers, maybe playing on your phone a little bit. No, no, no. You were paying attention yeah, the whole yeah. time. Uh, so now you've switched your perspective. You said, all right, we are going to do intensity based, which makes your study a lot shorter, but it is more interesting in the sense that it kind of goes against what i think a lot of people would expect mm-hmm. so we're we're now looking at super short periods like sprinting how often does uh, someone sprint? I know sometimes I have to sprint to catch the bus because I'm terrible at time management, <laughs> but it's not something that we see a lot of.
1: Mm-hmm. So I guess if you've heard um, of like HIT workouts or even SIT workouts, like it's kind of popular right now. So doing the short, high-intensity intervals, um, so you get like a short workout in instead of doing, I guess, a long workout. So some people are doing them. I think the difference between my session and sessions that most people do is that my session is like really hard <laughs> like I go it's so it's a it's called a gate. it's a standardized anaerobic power test and so b- you basically start biking you get your kidneys up as fast as you possibly can so you're pedaling as fast as you can and then a load drops and it's for me it's 7.5 percent of the person's body weight so it's actually like it doesn't seem like a lot but it actually is a lot like you can feel the resistance drop and then you just push against that for 30 seconds as hard as you possibly can so it's like it would be more like doing a 30 second all-out sprint up a hill like running sprint up a hill than it would be to like doing it on a treadmill or something so it is like very hard so i wouldn't say that like normal people do this level of intensity even in their own work goes that often.
0: This kinda sounds terrible.
1: It's really mean. It's really, really mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a little sadistic, yeah. no?
1: Yeah, no. My studies are very mean, very painful, very <laughs> mean. I just kind of like people will be puking and I just am laughing and
0: do you, do you like put like little tally marks like, okay, this participant puke.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Exactly. Then... Yeah, I just—all you can do is laugh, right? Because I'm like, "Sorry, sorry that you signed up for this. You're not getting paid." I, well, that's the thing—is
0: they, they, they signed up for this. They, they they want to participate in this.
1: Yeah, I'm sure they don't want to participate halfway through, but um, they do get like a big fitness boost. So yeah, for this particular study, they have to do the Wingate session, which is six six times those. 30 second sprints and then they have to do another session which is 90 minutes of biking with one of the sprints every 15 minutes so it's kind of like longer rest but more but a longer session and then they have to do a three hour steady ride and so at the end of the study they're um well trained
0: to say the least yeah Yeah. (laughs) all right so you you're you're Getting people to to sign up for these studies, which I don't know how you get them to do that if they know what you know is coming up because they have to know before they agree, yeah you're 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 looking at their hearts with your your beeping ultra whatever machine uh, yeah. <laughs> well, ultrasound. I was yeah. gonna say ultraviolet, but I knew that was wrong. <laughs> uh, you're looking at things with your ultrasound machine. People are puking. people are 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 biking. they're having fun. They're not having fun. They're hallucinating cats. yeah. All of these things. What? What in the world are you gonna do with this information? Are you just like gonna write a book on how mean of a person you are? Or like,
1: what, yeah. what,
0: What's the end of this? What are you? What? What are we
1: doing here? It's funny. Yeah. I mean, I love it. It's <laughs> honestly, it's all like taking people to their limit, right? So it's like, and then that's why people sign up because they want to know like whether or not they can handle it. So yeah, it's just like. It's the endurance athlete mentality, which is, like, how much pain can I put myself in? And then my questions are, and what happens to you when you do that? But, I mean, I think part of my, the humor I find, or, like, why I feel like it's just hilarious to watch these people is because I've definitely been there. Like, I've done the training sessions myself. I've never ran 160K, but I have trained, you know, 25 hours a week for five years. So, like... I've been there, I know to a degree what they're going through, and then I just find it so fascinating to see what's happening to their bodies. And then I think that it'll help athletes and coaches and exercise physiologists to understand what they're actually doing to to the athletes. So kind of a long-term vision would be, yeah, just kind of helping coaches and athletes understand what they're doing, and then training prescription, like what is the best training load for people and for You know, what reasons?
0: This is interesting because, uh, you know, the sports and entertainment industry, that's billions and billions and billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. It's It's a big industry from professional sports that are on TV to, I mean, high school sports and Olympians. A lot of people are doing this type of training. And at this point, we are not entirely sure of the long-term effects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of scary, no?
1: Yeah, no, it's really, I, I find it interesting. I don't know why I always find these negative things interesting, but I find it really interesting because, yeah, I mean, I guess, like I kind of started out with, it's like we do know that these elite athletes they are living the longest so in terms of like overall health when we're talking about like your your societal diseases that we're dealing with right now so like diabetes and obesity and like heart and stroke and all that elite athletes are not really having that and so their chances of living longer are higher but there can be other issues that they'll have and sure it'll be like a smaller chance of death <laughs> but I mean when you have athletes who are retiring because of the atrial fibrillation or we have had cases of athletes dying in races um, from essentially heart failure because we didn't know that they had these underlying conditions and then you add the training to it and it's just this recipe for disaster so there's a lot of things that we don't know and that we just kind of brush off because we think
0: Athletes are so healthy. Yeah, and and that makes sense, right? Uh, Well, you're probably not going to die sooner because of this, but there could be other things. Mm -hmm. And now correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going to make an assumption or two. But if we could figure out something like this, and we say we had an athlete that trains uh, six days a week, Mm -hmm. and let's hypothesize that you say, all right, well, five is more appropriate. Mm -hmm. If this is true, it's possible that we could – extend the amount of years that this athlete can actually participate in training Mm -hmm. because we found out that although yeah you're healthy you're going to live to be 99 years old six days a week is a bit much
1: yeah yeah it's finding that optimal load and i think throughout my kind of athletic career it seemed it became very obvious to me that coaches were doing what they were used to or what had what they had gone through and that there wasn't a lot of process to deciding how much training we're doing, what kind of intensity. And like even going into the London Olympics, there was a group of athletes that were basically just copying another group of athletes' training program from a, like, they're like, okay, these are the best in the world. So we're just going to do what they're going to do. And then they all got injured and overreached and overtrained and then did really bad at the Olympics. So it's like that's, kind of where athletes are working with is just what does everyone else do or what do the best people in the world do and when you look at it from like my perspective everyone's doing too much they could perform better with less or with a more optimized approach so like you know maybe dial down some of the intensity do some more longer kind of easy training in between really nail your your key sessions instead of just kind of grinding 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 and hoping that you make it through
0: right okay mm-hmm. and and I and I like this because a lot of times when you're on social media you always see those like things like the Batman workout the yeah. Superman workout or like yeah. someone wrote a comic book and it says like oh I did 3,000 push-ups a day and everyone's like I need to do 3,000 push-ups mm-hmm. a day
1: <laughs> yeah
0: so all right so this is interesting because ultimately a lot of the things that we kind of traditionally think about exercise more equals better mm-hmm. is not always true and you're out there putting numbers and science behind it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the goal. Yeah. All right.
0: So thanks so much for talking with us. I think you have effectively convinced me I probably shouldn't work out today because it just doesn't seem safe. <laughs> you
1: got to stay on the couch, yeah. <laughs>
0: just gonna, I'm going gonna, gonna to convince myself that. It doesn't matter what you say afterwards. I'm yeah. not going to do it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much for talking about it.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. It was fun.
0: This episode shows to prove that you can't run from the truth. The truth in this case is that we don't know everything about cardiac fatigue, especially when it comes to long-distance runners. But that's why Alex is chasing after that information. And now that the race is over, it is time for us to do a quick fact check, because at the end of every episode, we have to go through, make sure that everything we said is correct. And Alex and I did just that, and we did not find any facts that needed to be corrected in this episode. However, if things do change in the future, we will be the first ones to be running to the top of the mountain and shouting all about it. And alas, it looks as if our time has ran out. And that's the final running pun I got for you today. Thanks for listening to another episode of We Know Some Stuff.